Hello and welcome to another episode of the Morphin Law Podcast. I'm your host, Harry Clark. This episode features Samuel Smolkin, founder and CEO of the legal tech startup Office and Dragons. In this episode, Samuel and I discuss everything to do with the transactional world of legal practice, including what the current landscape looks like, common pain points throughout the process, and how the future of technology is looking to make everyone's lives that little bit easier. Let's get into it. Hi, Samuel. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, Harry. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. And I must admit, one of the more interesting company names I think I've ever had <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> of Office of Dragons um, and certainly piqued my interest when I kind of saw that as the title. So what's the sort of story behind the uh, inspiration for that name? Does it How does it represent the company values or the ethos or whatever it is you're, you're trying to sort of do? <laughs> sure. Uh, so a bit about my personal history. Before I took the uh, crazy plunge to launch a startup, I was actually... Mm-hmm an M&A lawyer at Kirkland and Ellis, uh, mostly in London with some time in New York as well. And as a, you know, practicing lawyers, especially junior lawyers know, it's, uh, you know, there is some of that time you're spending kind of doing thinking, interesting work, but a lot of the time you, you seem to be mired in, uh, in kind of the sea of, of sort of like tedious process alignment work that you need to, to wade through kind of, digging through your inbox you know a week Mm -hmm. deep or into your documents like 30 pages deep to find some piece of information going through and making conforming changes across 15 different documents when a deal point changes uh you know especially as these things happen last minute and you're under all that stress and i conceived of office and dragons originally you know i was sitting there one of those typically late nights 7 p.m 9 p.m at the office uh, back when we used to be in offices and thinking you know I, I, I'd like to, <laughs> I need something to save me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I thought I need a magical, something magical, like a, like a wizard or a dragon. And uh, at that time, the office felt like my dungeon. Mm-hmm. So I took Dungeons and Dragons and we got a Office and Dragons. And that's the, uh, that's the idea. Um, trying to, trying to save uh, myself in the past and others who might be. Uh, living through that same reality. I love it. It's great. I love the imagery as well that you kind of <laughs> kind of painted there as well. And of course, it's, it's sort of summed up ni- nicely in your mission statement, which is to sort of transform documents from static text into dynamic representations of, of structured data. So for people who might be thinking that's a bit of a mouthful, what, is, what does that essentially involve and what's the core thing you're trying to address? Sure. So the core thing is, you know, in a nutshell, right, we're living in this world where a lot of things are changing. And one of those things that's changing really rapidly is the way that businesses, you know, our clients as lawyers uh, transact, the way they mm-hmm. do deals like M&A, IPO, real estate deals, and so on. Things are generally getting faster, they're getting more complex and getting more competitive, which of course feeds into that need for speed and, and also creates a lot of stress. But as lawyers, you know, it feels to me like we're kind of scrambling to keep up. I mean, I I kind of gave a little bit of what it looked like to be me uh, a year and a half ago before I launched this company. And the feeling was very much that while things are changing, while pressures are mounting, um, we're scrambling and each deal feels worse than the last uh, Mm. because of these mounting pressures. I mean, if you look at the way we work now, how we try to keep up, um, when we do our, our key job, which is to, you know, advise on, but also document those transactions to reduce to a set of contracts what that deal is between uh, the two or, or more parties. Um, 
the way we're doing that is drafting. And, and when you look like from 10,000 feet away, it looks a lot like, you know, a lawyer and a client look a lot like an author and an editor writing a novel, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're cranking out these huge manuscript documents, trading markups back and forth. Um, and although, I mean, that's changed a little bit over the years, right? We've got document automation to, to take uh, some of our very standard contracts and, and kind of spin them out. Uh, repeatedly, and we've even got AI-assisted drafting to, you know, find our favorite tag-along clause instead of having to dig through precedents. It, it hasn't fundamentally changed the workflow, uh, you know, and, and that workflow is still is still what it's been for centuries. And with Office and Dragons, what we're looking to do is fundamentally shift that. And the idea there is that when you're not sort of cranking out the same old thing over and over when you can't just, you know, reduce it to a choice between three clauses and and throw it in a document automation thing, Mm -hmm. you can still put a framework around the process that you use. You can still put in place some guidance and structures that let you draft new bespoke documents easier. And to do that, we borrow uh, a foundational principle actually from software engineering, which is to separate the key data in something you're working on, the key points that can change throughout the course of this system you're building from the way you look at it. And the way you look at this key data points, all your deal terms is the documents. And right now we're sort of authoring them in a certain point in a transaction may be reflected in 15 different documents. So when you need to change it, you need to go through each one, cut and paste, find, replace, and and it's a huge pain. just to figure out where they are, let alone to affect all those changes. Mm-hmm. Whereas what we're doing is taking those data points and we're putting them in a separate place. So you can almost imagine it as a sort of living, breathing, simple term sheet that evolves throughout the course of the transaction. And when we want to change a data point, like the purchase price in an MA transaction or something of that nature, or the governing law clause we're going to use, we can change them in this one place and all those changes will automatically be reflected across all of your documents. So it takes out a lot of that toil work and also makes it simpler to align on what those terms on are with your colleagues, your clients, uh, and others involved in the transaction. So I don't know uh, how, uh, how clear that explanation was, but in a nutshell, <laughs> that's the change we're trying to achieve. Basically, we're trying to take these complex, fast-paced transactions and we're trying to put in place a framework that makes it simpler to align on terms and create and update documents uh, and get that deal done in a in a faster, better, hopefully less stressful way. Absolutely. And you, you've clearly explained it well enough to some people because uh, I wanted to congratulate you on recently joining the LexisNexis Accelerator um, that, I, that is what you've been uh, nominated for as well. So there's clearly some sort of movement behind what it is you're, you're trying to do. Um, I guess one of the main questions I'd say is that for, you know, I guess since the dawn of computers, lawyers have fallen in love with Microsoft Word and um, this the sort of regimented precedent way of, of doing things, as you say. Um, what do you think the main reason is as to why transactions have always been done in that way and kind of favored by lawyers and or or not their clients yeah um i think uh you know again taking a ten thousand foot view despite that we have you know some fancy things we are typing on keyboards and work and not using quill and ink we're Mm -hmm. fundamentally still 
taking care of our key job to be done, drafting, in, in the same way that we've been doing for centuries as lawyers. And I think the reason for that stems back to, to the way lawyers are trained and educated. So mm -hmm. when you're in law school, you're taught the law really a lot like a craft, right? You're taught to read arguments, to, to build cases, and it's all very individual. It's all very in the weeds of, of creating that argument. Um, and when you go and, and do your training contract uh, in the UK system or in the US system that I came from, you just start as a, as a first year NQ, mm -hmm. um, you learn again, much like a craftsperson in an apprenticeship system, you're put on a deal with, uh, and you sort of follow the lead of the person ahead of you. And you learn kind of the ins and outs and, and the gory details of how to craft every one of these documents, what every one of these phrases means. Um, to use an analogy, it's a lot like uh, how automobiles were made 150 years ago, where automobiles were made by individual craftspeople. Mm -hmm. And they turned out some really beautiful, fantastic automobiles, just like lawyers today create some really beautiful, fantastic contracts um, drafting the way they always have. But it wasn't exactly scalable, right? It wasn't until Henry Ford came along and started thinking not about how to build an individual car, but about how cars as a whole are created that mm -hmm. we got, you know, that classic saying in America, a car in every home. Mm -hmm. And what that represented was a shift in, in thinking. It was a shift in thinking one level up from kind of where we are now as lawyers, craftspeople thinking about the documents individually to thinking about how deals as a whole are delivered and how do we deliver those deals in a way that is excellent given shifting uh, client needs driven by, you know, lots of changes that, that are affecting the way our clients transact today. this episode we've talked a little bit about the past in terms of how things have traditionally been done and, and obviously now in the present how you're looking to, to sort of change the way that transactions are taking place um but i also wanted to probe your thoughts on what do you think the the sort of future of transactions will be like i think you know take the practices of a, a very small local firm uh conducting sort of high street work versus huge international commercial institutions which are uh, trading with multiple different clients at once there's a big spectrum of different transactions that that can take place within a, a law firm alone um, and going forward, there's always been these uh, articles and very exciting headlines about the future of law and bold predictions about how lawyers' roles will change, especially when it comes to transactional work and document drafting and everything else um, in the next 10, 20, 50 years or anything else. Um, I guess it'd be interesting as someone who's looking to obviously implement changes now where you see the sort of future of transactions going in, in that sort of time frame looking ahead. Sure. Um, the vision we see, and you know, we've been testing it with uh, with a variety of stakeholders, is that lawyers do start to implement more structure. They start to do what we're calling transaction development, which is, uh, again, calling back to what we talked earlier, uh, thinking about their work less like an individual craft and more like engineers putting in place those frameworks, those structures. You know, could be ours, could be someone else's. Uh, to work in this more structured, simpler, faster, scalable way. Uh, ultimately, we're going to use techniques like these and, and other tools to 
cut away for a lot of the frictions uh, that used to be inherent in delivering legal services. And by these, I mean, you know, struggling to to kind of understand between yourself, your other internal teams, your clients, your accountants and others, what all the deal terms are, right? Taking away the, the frictions from the confusion there, as well as taking away a lot of the frictions from the creation, editing, updating documents, make that a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. And critically, we're also going to be working in a way in which we structure information as we go along, which means that that information, that data, you know, you've all, you've always heard about like data is the new oil, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be in a structured, easily combinable, pluggable form such that when the next deal rolls around, we can really easily incorporate our learnings from the previous deals that we've done. Um, in a simple, scalable way. And that's going to allow firms to take their deal experience, their expertise, right? The very the very essence of that they base their practice on and deliver that at scale. And so what this is going to mean is that uh, lawyers who adopt this way of working are going to be able to uh, deliver on client matters in a more profitable way. Uh, because again, you've cut out a lot of those frictions, a lot of the waste, and they're going to be able to serve way more clients than before, uh, potentially working up to a practically unlimited number at some point uh, because they've captured that data and are able to deliver their expertise at scale. And when the business model shifts that way, it starts to look less like a traditional services company, uh, which is what law firms are, and starts to look a lot more like a product company. And mm-hmm. that's and, and in a nutshell, what we envision in the future is, is what we call the Google of law firms, which is to say that right now law, because of all these frictions, these limitations, you've got lots and lots of fairly similar firms, you know, an AmLaw 100, a Magic Circle, Silver Circle and such. A lot of firms of roughly the same size, doing roughly the same work for the same clients. Um, but once you've got a few firms who've kind of gotten ahead with this transaction development thing, uh, implemented that structure, removed the frictions, are able to deliver at scale, they're going to be taking a lot of work away from their competitors and you're going to get to a situation that looks closer to an industry like, I don't know, take a, take video streaming, which we're all using mm-hmm. a lot during COVID. We don't have a streaming 100. We've got Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu Plus, Disney Plus, you know, a few other things, but really one or two dominant players. Um, So that's kind of what we see as the big win for the firms who get in on this early. Uh, Of course, there'll always be niche players uh, in various areas as you have with with any kind of product, but we do see a lot of this um, scale and and consolidation being, Mm -hmm. uh, being the future. And so I guess finally on that basis, if, if that is the vision that you kind of see the, the industry more generally on a sort of macro scale moving towards, uh, perhaps for more junior lawyers or those aspiring to get into the profession, what do you think are some of the best ways they can future-proof themselves based on that reality in order to fit with this this way of working, which is kind of undergoing this change on a, on a year-to-year basis, like, like many other industries at the moment? Yeah, I think um, for junior lawyers, for those studying, for those at the beginning of their careers, um, I would say try to try to broaden your perspective beyond kind of traditional legal training. Uh, 
try to just learn something else. And I don't really think it matters what. Uh, I don't think you have to learn to code or you have to mm -hmm. learn finance or you have to learn accounting or, or any one of these specific things or project management or anything. But I think that studying um, a few other disciplines, you know, you don't have to mm -hmm. go in deep, but at least taking enough time that you learn some of those key ideas is going to be really beneficial to you because I think as this industry changes, as new things become needed that weren't before, you're going to be in a much better place because your skill set is broader and you're able to mm. kind of find that new niche for yourself and carve yourself in. The other thing I would highly recommend is to take some time understanding the business of law. So again, mm. rather than just understanding um, how to craft arguments and whatnot, some time to understand not just law firms, but what is a professional service company? Like, how do they operate? What are the drivers of revenue and things of that nature? What makes you successful in that kind of business? Um, I took a course like this back when I was studying at Harvard. Uh, it was the best course I took. And although that course had nothing to do with the practice of law day to day, right? Nothing about drafting mm -hmm. contracts. It really shaped my perspective and shaped a lot of the decisions I made. And I just found it extremely beneficial just for for understanding what was going on at, back at K&E and, and how I fit into that and, and help guide my decision making. Um, mm -hmm. I think that that's a uh, really important thing. Yeah, no, it's really funny you say that because I, I had a very similar experience whilst I was going through my LLB undergraduate studies with the kind of business of law module. And, and in hindsight, it was one of my favorites because I think, like you said, it, it took a, a different approach to looking at the black letter law and instead looked at it as a business enterprise. And um, yeah, to date, I think that's still given me a much more kind of informed approach to understanding how these firms operate and, and, and the sort of broader commercial awareness and business development skills that are, that are always useful for law, as you say. Um, but no, thank you so much for coming on, Sanyo. It was an absolute pleasure to, to speak with you and to, and to hear this insight into your thoughts on how lawyers are working with interim tax and, and what the future is going to look like. Uh, where can people go to learn more about yourself and everything we've sort of been talking about today? Sure. So, uh, of course, there's our website, officeanddragons.com. Uh, we're mm -hmm. also really active on social media. So on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, you can find us at Office and Dragons and on LinkedIn as well, Office and Dragons. Uh, you can find me as well on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure you'll have my name uh, written out here mm -hmm. in the name of the podcast, but Samuel Smolkin, if you look that up on, uh, on LinkedIn or Twitter, you'll find me. Um, I know there's a lot of students listening to this, and uh, I'd like to say that I, I know folks might be looking for guidance, might want to know more about what should I do to future-proof my career. Um, I actually spend usually like a, I talk to a student maybe once a week, every other week, who, who kind of pings me on LinkedIn. So mm. do feel free to to kind of reach out if that's something you're interested in. Absolutely. You might get a few messages after, after this episode <laughs> as well. But um, no, at least thank you for sharing your insights in uh, this discussion today. It was great to, to speak. Uh, thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to another installment of the More From Law podcast. If you want to keep up to date with the show and make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and sign up to my newsletter over at www.harryclarklaw.com. You can also follow me on most social media channels at the handle Harry Clark Law. If you enjoyed the show, please give it a rating and a review on the iTunes store as this helps others learn about the show and be sure to share it with your networks. You can also support the show by donating to my Patreon, which helps support the running and production costs of the show. For now though, I'll see you in the next episode of More From Law.